SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Rise and shine, sports fans. It is another beautiful day in the neighborhood. Monday, September 21st. Let's cock-a-doodle do it. This is the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. I'm Dane Martinez. They call me the spitting statistician, stable genius, and vocal minority. And my man, Kevin Walsh, continuing to burn the candle at both ends here as we put the fun and functional sports radio and give you the edge to try to make it a profitable day, a profitable week, a profitable yes of rest of 2020 because we could all use that. And Kevin, week two was very... Very interesting to me, okay, because we had a lot of games that I think maybe disproved some of the overreactions that we heard after week one. And then we saw some examples where we just got another piece of evidence that maybe what we did see in week one was actually something we can hang our hat on moving Mm. forward. We also, Kevin, I got to tell you, my biggest takeaway from week two is a mass unit. We have got a ton of injuries to discuss to like, you know, marquee top end talent as well. Hard to see for teams fortunes and even for, you know fantasy managers as well yeah there was a lot of big name guys that went down it got to the point where you started to ask yourself do we always see this many injuries it's just usually right players of a lesser level because it was every other play it felt like there was a new update that a big time player was going down uh week two though i mean obviously we've got the one game left but what an interesting week it has been to this point uh, you know, you and I were kind of talking about how the favorites have performed straight up mm-hmm. as opposed to how they've performed against the spread. 14-1 and one, straight up for the favorites. And the only favorite, or favorite that lost, Philadelphia Eagles, were favorites by one and a half points, I believe the lowest spread yeah. of the week, and at one point were dogs. But then you take it to the spread, and there were a number of times that that number – came into play spots like the Dallas Cowboys spots like the Miami Dolphins spots like the LA Chargers so it was a week where you know if you were playing teasers you probably came out the other side of it feeling Mm. uh, pretty good uh, except for Eagles and Texans backers those are definitely two spots that come to mind but uh, I I leave this week you know pretty surprised at how Few dogs came in, and yet we're still able to cover numbers. Yeah, absolutely. As you mentioned, you know, we talk about this a lot. The idea of, quote unquote, the point spread not mattering, right? If you like the side, pick the side. And a lot of times that that point spread will not matter. But that was not the case, as you mentioned, um, in week number two. I believe there were seven teams. If you include Thursday night football, which would be an example of this as the Browns won by five. But most people had a five and a half or six point or six and a half point spread. Teams that won but did not cover. You know, I also, Kev, on the Sunday morning show, I do a segment called The Home Dogs, right? And home dogs are a place where 
you know, that team is usually not given much credit at all. But, you know, they surprised by coming in. Think about week one where Washington and Jacksonville won outright in that situation as home dogs. Well, yesterday, you know, Miami covered as a home dog. The Los Angeles Chargers under rookie Justin Herbert had the Kansas City Chiefs on the ropes and ultimately covered as a home dog, losing in overtime to the Kansas City Chiefs. We'll talk about why Herbert was on the field in the first place and how that game script looked when we break down our games later on. But, Kev, the other thing for me, listen, and we have it up on the screen here, we'll talk about it, is the match unit. We have to talk about all of these injuries, and I think no bigger one, Kev, then New York Giants running back Saquon Barkley. I mean, it was almost back-to-back plays. He had one run where it looked yeah. like his elbow was banged up because he fell awkwardly, right? And then all of a sudden, they're like, hey, Barkley's back on the field. And then we had what looked like, and I'm not a doctor. I don't even play one on TV. But we looked like we had what could be a big-time injury. The Giants are, you know, we've heard then later in the day, the Giants fear that Barkley did, in fact, tear his ACL. Yeah, we had the opportunity to speak to Dr. David Chow, the pro football doc. Uh, he was, you know, appeared a couple of times on in-game live. Uh, when he saw the play, he thought that it was very likely uh, a torn ACL, probably messed up yep. the MCL and a bone bruise. Uh, he thought he expected the worst. Uh, as we are welcoming our radio audience right here to the early line, I'm Kevin Walsh alongside Dane Martinez, recapping everything that we've seen to this point. Week two, welcome in the West Coast, especially the mightier 1090. Uh, I think, though, with the Saquon Barkley injury, um, one thing that kind of stood out for me is somebody who played his over-rushing yards prop. Ah. That number was going to get there. It was. He started to pop some runs, and you saw him go down, and uh, it was, uh, you know, the arm that he started to reach for. And you're sat there, and you're like, man, is this guy not going to come back in? And then for him to come back in, Mm-hmm. And tear up the ACL on his next run. You know, as a better, you'll be a little bit frustrated, but your process was right. So, look, you lose whatever yeah. you put down on the bet, but your process was right. He was going over that number. You just feel for Saquon Barkley, who now, unfortunately, though probably accurately, is going to get slapped with the injury prone tag moving forward until proven otherwise. Yeah, that is unfortunate. In the prop bet market, you know, Kev, I had a similar story, unfortunately, in week one as it related to Marlon Mack. He was going over the number and then Taurus Achilles in the second quarter. So I hear you on that. We also, when we come back, I think we got to discuss, we have a number of surprise 2-0 teams. And I think we have a couple of surprise and 2 teams. And remember, even with the expanded playoff field, we talk about it all the time, the percent chance of qualifying for the playoffs, dramatically different if you're 2-0 and versus getting out the gate slow at 0-2. We will look at those teams and break down the games when we come back right here on the early line. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back here, everybody, to the early line right here on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. Dane and Kevin trying to deconstruct what we saw on week two as a Sunday. And, you know, here's the thing. I mentioned it going into break, Kev. You know, the teams that are 2-0, and 
right, really at this point have a leg up. As we see them again, you know, there's about there's a few in each conference, right? Some surprises, some that we expected. And I think we should start there because we've got some teams that, you know, we're going to have to really start to focus on as they move forward. And Kev, you know, when we were doing our game by game and our season previews and things like that, I, I think at one point, I, I didn't like shock you, but you did make a note of exactly like how much love I had for Russell Wilson, right? How I said he was my MVP candidate, how I thought Seattle could get all the way to the Super Bowl as an NFC team. They were one of my off the, not off the radar completely, but a team I was very behind mostly because of Russell Wilson. And I got to tell you something, Kev, I feel good about that Russell Wilson MVP nod at this point because the Seahawks got another one against the New England Patriots on Sunday Night Football, 35-30. to And Russell Wilson, like, he just does everything correct, Kev. I think that's the best way for me to put it. You know, he has another great game, 21 of 28, five touchdowns through the air. He did have a pick, but it went right through Greg Olson's hands, right into the defender's lap for a pick six. That is not on Russell. And the thing is, he just... He ma- I don't want to use this term because it sounds like a dirty word in the NFL, but he just manages the game so well and does exactly what he wants, whether it's through the air, running, never getting hit, having a handle on this. I believe Russell Wilson. I know about Lamar. I know about Patty Mahomes. But, like, is there anyone more valuable to their team right now than Russell Wilson? Yeah, I mean, Mahomes and Lamar are still right there. They're the three best quarterbacks sure. in the lead, and it, it's not worth splitting hairs over who is more valuable than who. Um, Russell Wilson, though, right now, again, we've talked about this, uh, you know, let Russ cook, and yep. that's what they're doing to this point. And I even thought the final drive for the Seattle Seahawks mm. was a good indicator. I mean, they're yeah. coming out on second and four, you know, trips left, shotgun. Yeah. Back to the right side. And you're like, oh, I think we're going to throw. He went over the top on third down in that drive. Right. And, like, you know, we keep seeing, you know, this team, they look aggressive. They look different. They look dangerous. And this is the type of team. I don't know where you land on the Pats defense through two weeks. Like, weird kind of two performances for them. I think that they're probably going to still be pretty good. The Seahawks are a walking Probably 30 points at this, right? Like at this juncture, Russell Wilson throws the most outrageous deep ball you, I've ever seen. It's like a Steph Curry three. You assume yeah. it's going in. He throws the ball. If the ball leaves the top of your TV screen, it's probably mm-hmm. going to be caught on the other side for six. Probably going to be caught on the other side for six. Like that's just what it is right now. This is the most dangerous version of them. And we spoke about this a lot about this game because I said it was the most interesting game of the week. It delivered, by the way, in every way imaginable as the Sunday nighter. And I want to talk about the other side of the coin here. But yeah, yeah, for sure. Will they continue to keep that same level of aggression or were they going to try and pull things back and get back to this? That's not what we've seen. That's just not what we've seen from this team. They look different. They look exciting. And I think you could argue they might look like the best team in the NFC. Two weeks in, Saints haven't even played their week two game, but I think you can make that argument. 
No, I, I'm with you, to be quite honest. I mean, if not them, who? Arizona, Green Bay may come to mind, but that's about it. The Rams. I mean, right? there's a number of teams. Yeah, right. Sure, there are some 2-0 and teams, and we will talk about them as a priority, but I think you're right, right? And, and the reason I give my props to Russell Wilson is because it's almost like assumed, Kev, right, about the Chiefs and Patty Mahomes, about the Ravens and Lamar Jackson, but like – the Seattle Seahawks right now are at that same level. And here's the other thing, Kev, and I know you've said this, and I know this is like pouring salt in our wounds, but Jamal Adams is very hmm. important for that defense. They made the point of it, him coming straight up the middle with delayed uh, blitzes, the, the what he can do, monitoring Cam Newton even, right? Like Adams is a huge piece of that defense. I know the Legion of Boom is not there anymore, and there's different names right but Bobby Wagner is still there KJ Wright is still there and Jamal Adams now there as well I think is very very important you are right this team looks different remember one of the things I said all week as I was trying to test thesis right I said are the Seahawks actually going to be a pass happy team and you know after after a couple of weeks it does seem like they are more dynamic like they are different i guess having that big boy who can take his shirt off at any time and dk metcalf and look impressive mm. also helps having another weapon outside but i know you want to talk about the patriots side on this too and so do i kev because listen I, they lost this game but cam newton is uh, going to yep. be a problem is going to be a problem for the rest of the nfl and i think you know we talked about this before like oh will they treat him with kid gloves will they not risk his health bs they are going to run cam newton he is the goal line back for the new england patriots and quite frankly i don't know how to stop it and i thought it was mm -hmm. great Kev, that they had the pass off of that formation oh, yeah. at some point because they need to. That has to still be in the head of the defense or else mm -hmm. then you might be able to stack it and stop it the way they did at the end of the game. Yeah, I'm sure to a degree they wish they still had that pass play uh, in their right. pocket for that final play of the game. Jamal Adams was the perfect player to target on it, by the way, because we know how aggressive he is. And he's like, yeah, he can mm -hmm. this fullback to do, catch the ball. So I thought that was excellent. I think in that final play of the game, there was a lot of talk about was it the right play call. It always should have been a Cam Newton run. I saw some people making a good point. A counter, though, uh, to where if you just cut Maybe. back the other side. But that's not really the point here. The New England Patriots, I've seen enough to say this, through two weeks, can win the Super Bowl with Cam Newton as their quarterback. They can. Cam Newton is that dangerous for this team. Because the question was not the running game. And he is now the most lethal goal line back in football once again. Two touchdowns, could have easily been three, could have easily been four. He's going to compete for the lead league in touchdowns and continue to add to his total that is higher than any quarterback that's ever played football for most rushing touchdowns. But what he did through the air, mm -hmm. 397 passing yards. Yep. One of the three highest yardage games of his career. Dane, they were one yard away, one yard away from beating potentially the Highest passing volume team in their own building. Yeah. And the question we had was, well, can they play from behind? Can they be a, a team if they're down 14? Or is it they're a team that that's just not their style? They're going to be stuck in the mud. And the answer was no. The answer was no. They have another level. They have another gear. Julian Edelman had 171 receiving sure yards in the second half. In mm -hmm. the second half. That is what Julian Edelman had. I came away 
even in defeat, wildly impressed by the New England Patriots. Yeah, I don't disagree with you, Kevin, and that's even all the more reason that I like what Seattle did even after an opening pick six to put them behind the eight ball because you're right. I do think this Patriots team and this Patriots offense, their demise has been greatly overstated. I do think that Cam Newton to Julian Edelman is going to be a combination that people have to worry about. And if you saw that game, Kev, you also know Edelman is banged up, okay? Edelman is not 100%. He's got a knee. He's like gimpy, but then still making plays, making diving catches over the middle. And unfortunately, Kev, we do have to make this point. We do have to send our best wishes and condolences to James White, the New England running uh, New England running back. You know, the Patriots had a lot of Rex Burkhead on the field yesterday, so they were not their full complement. Because James White, unfortunately, we got word right before the game, his parents were in a tragic automobile accident down in Florida. And unfortunately, his father passed away. Last I heard, his mother was in critical condition as well. Robert Kraft offered to use the team plane to get James White right down to Florida to uh, take care of family business. He didn't. He stayed with the team. But um, I say this, you know, from a... Uh, uh, what's right context, right, to give our love to James White. But from a pure X's and O's context, this is the Patriots who didn't have one of their biggest weapons in a game flow that they could have used him, and they still looked pretty dangerous, Kev. Yeah, um, man, it was just, and you could tell, even Russell Wilson, who played with yeah. Wisconsin, he's like, look, heavy heart right now, man. Um, yeah. It's it's just it's a tragic situation. You see a guy's inactive, and that's just never what you expect it to be. Yeah, absolutely. And it came in uh, on social media from everywhere, including Tom Brady, his former teammate, everyone saying how great of a guy James White is. So, you know, we add our condolences to the White family for that. When we come back, we have plenty more games to discuss what was real, what was not. We talk about it on the early line when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back, everybody, right here to the early line on SportsGrid, giving you the edge. We welcome in, of course, our radio audience from around the country as well, including the mightier 1090 out there on the West Coast. Thanks for waking up very early with us on the early line, Dane Martinez and Kevin Walsh. And, Kev, we're talking about these 2-0 and teams, and there are three of them in the NFC West. Okay, we talked about the Seattle Seahawks, who you and I both believe could be cooking with Russell Wilson. Another team that, like, how are we going to stop the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, Kev, we talk about Russell Wilson, right? Talk about uh, Lamar Jackson, Patty Mahomes. I wonder how long it is until we have to start to respect and talk about Kyler Murray in a similar vein. I mean, Kev, they can't stop this man, okay? Hmm. Again, yeah, he runs for two touchdowns. He's got DeAndre Hopkins and Larry Fitzgerald and Christian Kirk at his disposal, right? There's big old lanes for Kenyon Drake when he needs to. 20 carries out of Kenyon Drake is another point I want to make when we talk about RB1s and who gets fed. Mm-hmm. Kenyon Drake may be in good time situations once you have to respect the Kyler Murray running game, the Hall of Famers, plural, potentially on the outside for the Arizona Cardinals. But talk to me about this Cardinals offense. We were impressed when we thought that, you know, what they did against 
the San Francisco 49ers in week one, I was intrigued by what I would see because this Washington front seven also, Kev, you know, is stout, right? With the number two pick, Chase Young, all those Alabama first-round picks on the front. And they couldn't stop these Arizona Cardinals either. Talk to me about your excitement level for Kyla Murray and this Cardinals offense. It was very impressive to me because they – were aggressive in this game. And there were yeah. points last year where we looked at Cliff Kingsbury and we were like, this isn't what we were promised. You're punting, <laughs> you're kicking field goals. What's going on here? I like the aggressiveness that we saw from Arizona. And Kyler Murray, what he's doing in the run game right now, it just it's a situation where it's, it's not as much designed runs, but he knows that he very well might be the best athlete on the field, and he's taking advantage of it. These aren't you know cheap runs that he's putting into the end zone. He had another 20-yard rushing touchdown. Yeah. In this game, the other point I want to make is I I made I I brought it up last week, and again I don't bring it up because you were at a spot I that I was at that almost everybody was at. DeAndre Hopkins going to Arizona. Ah, is the workload there? There's so many guys. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Two weeks, two weeks. Leads the league in targets. This is who he is. Yeah. This is who he is. He shows up. He's the best guy by a country mile. Not Christian Kirk. Larry Fitz all time, different conversation. And Kyler Murray immediately was like, man, this is great. I trust this guy with my life. And he targeted him nine times. DeAndre Hopkins, as per usual, is going to finish top five in targets. And it's what it is. And you need to keep that in mind now when you're talking about this guy's receptions prop. No, I think that is fair. If you talk about props, listen, I took the Kyler Murray over rushing yards at 30, and the book's in a bad spot here, much like they were, Kev, with Lamar Jackson rushing yards last year. Like, how far do you go? You know what I mean? Like, you can't hang a number that's smart. You know, if you overreact to this, I'm happy to slide back under it, you know? But where are they going to put it that I am not comfortable taking the over? Real quick, though, on the Washington side, because I do want to give them a little bit of a do. Terry McLaren. In his second year, seven catches, 125 yards and a touchdown, running away from defenders, even with double teams, cannot be stopped. And if Washington has some garbage time, you know, in games moving forward, McLaurin Mm -hmm. will be a fantasy asset on Washington also, Kev. I think we have to make this point. Remember last week how people were like, oh, Peyton Barber. And I said, eh, that could be a waiver wire fugazi. Uh, One carry, one yard. For Peyton Barber, Antonio Gibson, Kev, I think is something here for the Washington football team in the way he runs and in the opportunities he's getting. Yeah, and I'll just say this for Washington as far as a a team that people liked after week one, right? Um, And it was kind of this weird spot where a lot of the stuff that I've been saying here on this show kind of came through. But it bothered me. I didn't like the way that people spoke about Washington. I didn't like all of the credit (laughs) that people were giving Washington. Arizona handles their business. Next week, they travel to Cleveland, who will have an extra rest. And then the following two weeks, they will be home to the Ravens and to the Rams. So the almighty Washington football team, with this undeniable front seven, who will now average 12 sacks a game, it's just it's one of those things. We're kind of coming back level. That Browns yeah. number I saw at last light sits below a touchdown, and it would not surprise me to see it get above a touchdown before that game is underway.
No, I think that is fair, Kevin, right? This idea, and that's what we're saying here in week two, like, did we overreact to things, right? And so it sounds like you're saying that there's a little bit of leveling off there on the Washington side, and I think that is absolutely fair, Kev. There was another example where an NFC West team beat an NFC East team team and it was the los angeles rams going across country to philadelphia to beat up on the eagles they got a big lead in this game early on i believe it was like 21 3 at one point Mm -hmm. early on and here's the thing for me remember one of these kind of you know hypotheses that i was testing is around the philadelphia eagles offensive line Right. But Lane Johnson, I believe, is back and the Eagles don't give up any sacks this time. Having Miles Sanders back definitely mattered over 100 scrimmage yards for him. He looks like if you just saw the game, a definitive, you know, uh, ascending second year back. But Kev, we got to talk about Carson Wentz. Right. Um, He he turned the ball over a couple of times. Not as accurate, not as great of an efficient completion percentage as the guy who was drafted at the top of the draft with him. That was on the other sideline. Jared Goff. I'm not playing Goff versus Wentz per se. But the question I do think we have to ask and, and Wentz. For so long, Kev, is like, ah, but when he's healthy, he's great. Or, ah, but all his weapons are down and out, right? And mm-hmm. and those are valid. That, that has been the case. But, yeah. Kev, the offensive line was okay yesterday. He had Miles Sanders, who looks like, you know, a yeah. legit, you know, fantasy first-round pick, right? Um, what Are you concerned at all about the performance of your <laughs> franchise quarterback? I mean, I've been concerned about this team moving in. Ultimately, I think Wentz will be fine. Um, it wasn't. A, it wasn't a great performance. They only scored three points in the second half. Yes, that game got away from them, but then they brought that game back, and, and they very well. Uh, this was a game that, at points, felt like it could have been within their grasp. For me, though, the bigger story is the Rams side of this, who okay. I believe now currently in Sean McVay's tenure have never lost an East Coast 1 o'clock start game, which is just outrageous, and they next week will play in Buffalo. But as we just talked about, let's, let Russ cook, let Kyler run. Here are the Rams, who have been consistently good under McVay, being consistently good under McVay. Yeah, uh, one thing we do have to note, remember we talked about the rash of injuries that happened in week two. One of the big ones is the Rams rookie running back Cam Akers. He left with Kevin, I believe, a rib injury, did not return. And then all of a sudden Mm -hmm. we see Daryl Henderson Jr., right, who was the kind of forgotten man in this committee, go for 12 carries, 81 yards, and a touchdown. Good old Malcolm Brown still involved as well with 11 carries. We will see what the reports are on Cam acres but you know that's interesting to note to see how they're gonna allocate carries and keep it moving i want to move on to another game kev um you know in this nfc west you got the seattle at 2-0 arizona at 2-0 the rams at 2-0 the only team that's not 2-0 kev is the defending Mm -hmm. nfc champion san francisco 49ers now here's the thing here's the good news kev they got the job done Right. 31-13. They go on the road, west to east, one o'clock game, laying seven points, and they boat race the Jets anyway, right? Raheem Mostart, 80 yards, first play from scrimmage, all good. That's the good news. Mm-hmm. Kev, um I, <laughs> this is not good for the San Francisco 49ers. Remember, already George Kittle dealing with a knee sprain and a bone bruise. Already 
Richard Sherman on IR. Already Debo Samuel um, not available. And then, Kev, we got to add to it in a major way from what happened here in week two. Nick Boza carted off. Solomon Thomas carted off. Jimmy G, ankle, does not return. Raheem Mostert, knee, does not return. Uh, Kev, at some point, this is going to come home to roost, and we may be at that point, starting running back, Pro Bowl tight end, Hall of Fame cornerback, number one overall pick off the edge. There's a lot of problems here in San Francisco health-wise. Look, I think it's okay to say that right now, if I ask you to give me your seven NFC playoff teams, the Niners are unlikely go, are likely to be out of that group. And that's not a slight. That's not a slight at all. First of all, they're playing in the NFC West who is a max of 7-1. and one. They're the only team that lost, but it's because they played another NFC West team. Right, right. But, again, Garoppolo's banged up. They didn't have Kittle in the game. They didn't have Sherman in the game. We, didn't, we don't have Debo Samuel yet. You now add Nick Bosa, who's going to be gone for the season with a torn ACL. We don't know this the extent of Solomon Thomas, as you mentioned, right? Garoppolo banged up most. I mean, like, it, it's, it's a lot, man. It's a lot. Yeah. Collins might be starting at this team for quarterback next week and again this is all happening while while russell wilson's thrown nine touchdowns through two weeks while the rams are going out there and beating the two top teams of the of the nfc east like they've gotten based on what was expected they've gotten those two games out of the way right to where now what's left for them from that those matchups will be washington and the giants the cardinals beat you like they're, a fourth place team isn't getting into the playoffs. Like they're, it's just not going to happen. Kyle Shanahan, it, it's not going to happen. And if someone play is able to play this back and be like, "Ha whatever. Like Kyle Shanahan's a great coach, and he will make Nick Mullins look probably much better than Nick Mullins is. But again, you want to talk about a potential overreaction? As of today, if I actually to make your playoff predictions moving forward, and I say this to you. And I say this to you watching at home, I highly doubt the Niners make the cut. Yeah, I think that is fair. We're going to have to get updates on a lot of 49ers throughout the week. So keep it locked to the early line for that. More games when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Welcome back in, everybody, right here to the early line, giving you the edge on SportsGrid on a Monday after week two in the NFL season where there were injuries aplenty. It would not be a surprise to see, you know, veterans off the street getting kind of uh Practice tryouts, looking to replace. We even have reports already that Devontae Freeman may be working out for the New York football giants. Remember, Saquon Barkley, there are others that we will talk about game by game. I can see some tryouts happening this week. We talked about the um, Niners-Jets game, right? And, you know, as a Jets fan, I just feel bad for Sam Darnold, him making good plays. The offensive line is all right. This is Adam Gaze. And he had nobody. Listen, it's literally like Josh Malone and Braxton Berrios that he's throwing to. But I digress. The focus here should be on those 2-0 teams. If we put that graphic back up, there are a number of 2-0 teams that are now about, like, you know, 60% chance to qualify for the playoffs. And one of them resides in that AFC East, and it is the Buffalo Bills. They Now, Kev, the Buffalo Bills are 2-0. 
But the Buffalo Bills have two wins in the division, Kev, against the New England Patriots and against the Miami Dolphins. They go down to Buffalo. I mean, they go down to Miami. They are one of those teams, though, Kev, that won and did not cover what was a five or six point spread in no man's land. They get it done 31-28. A lot of weird stuff in this game, Kev. There was a lightning delay at one point in this game. I'm like, hey, why is this game still in the third quarter? There was a lightning delay. Everyone was on the Josh Allen for the idea of rushing in week one. Well, that didn't happen as much, right? But he did throw for 417 yards, four touchdowns. That is his career high. I know a lot of people are going to start talking about this Josh Allen to Stefan Diggs connection, which was good for 153 yards and a touchdown yesterday. Yeah, look, man, Josh Allen throws for 417 and four scores. Um, yeah. <laughs> I don't think a lot of people saw that coming. No interceptions. It's a great game from him. Uh, you know, doing it through the air far more than he was doing it through the ground. This is a spot, though, where I can already see I'm going to have to dig my heels in and I might be in for a battle with Buffalo fans because this didn't impress me all that much. This did okay. not impress me all that much. You went out there and put up 31. Tell me why. Miami. Okay, great. Ryan Fitzpatrick threw the ball 47 times. No interceptions? It's Ryan Fitzpatrick. And I know he's home. He's a different quarterback. He's not going to throw every three weeks. This Bills defense giving up 28 points to the Miami Dolphins is a performance that underwhelms me. And I can hear it already. That division game wins a win. What do you expect them to blow every team out? I hear it. I hear it. Right. No, that's not the case. You don't have to blow every single team out. But you got to take advantage of a quarterback that last week against the other team that's going to compete for the top of your division, right? was completely unplayable. I'll make it as simple as this. The Bills won, the Pats lost, and I became more confident in the Patriots coming out of Week 2 than the Buffalo Bills. Yeah, no, I hear in the way it is done, but I I will say kind of like what you expect to hear. Kev, a road division win? It's kind of still a road division win. I don't care if it happens by 20 or if it happens by two. You know, like you have those three games on your schedule all the time when you play your division opponents on the road, and they've checked one of the boxes off to stay 2-0. and oh, I hear you that teams are looking in different ways. And I got to say this about Josh Allen also. He did another one of those crazy scrambles where he flipped over and lost the ball. I think the Bills recovered the fumble. But I will make the point again, at some point, that may come back to bite him at feels like, you know, Kev, how I said with the Toronto Raptors, like at some point they're going to need that closer to finish a game, right? Like at some point that carelessness from Josh Allen may come back to bite them. But one thing I do want to note on the Miami side, Kev, if you were going into, say, like fantasy football drafts for Miami, you were like, yo, Jordan Howard and Matt Breida are going to be this one-two punch. No, <laughs> no. Miles Gaskin, Kev, is a thing. We have to let people know, once again, leading the team in rushing with 46 yards, it's not incredible, but it does put a damper on Matt Breida. It puts a damper on Jordan Howard. And, you know, he's involved in the pass game as well. Six catches out of the backfield for 36 yards. I mean, <sighs> Is he the lead back in Miami? Yeah, he also got seven targets. I mean, he he is. Yeah. Uh, the Miles Gaskin props, though, now will be something I'm going to have to keep an eye on, especially because they're going to be playing on Thursday night football, which means yes. there will be Miles Gaskin props. Prime time, all of a sudden, you're the most important team in the league up against the Jacksonville Jaguars. 
So this box score matters a ton. Mike Gusecki, 11 targets, 8 for 130. Uh, Mike Gusecki, anytime touchdown scorers now are going to be coming out the woodworks. Devontae Parker got a score in this game. Yeah. This is a this is a box score that you might say, ah, do I really want to peel through? Eh, all right, go ahead, wait, because Thursday morning you're going to have to peel through it anyway because this team's going to be up on primetime next. Yep, absolutely, and they will be up on primetime, as you mentioned, against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Uh, they will be coming off a loss in the division, 33-30, to to another one of these 2-0 teams now in the AFC as the Tennessee Titans go 2-0. 33-30, as I mentioned, is the final. You know, Gotskowski looked good today. You know, he was able to hit his kicks, including, you know, a big one at the very end to give them the victory with about a minute and a half left. And, and help me figure out this Tennessee team, Kev, because in week one on Monday Night Football, right, everyone was like, ah, they're punching people in the mouth. They're a blue-collar team. They missed a lot of field goals. I know that. But they were in a kind of ugly, low-scoring affair with the Denver Broncos. Not the mm -hmm. case in week two, right? In week two, they come out, put 33 points on the board. Derrick Henry, 25 carries, but... 84 yards, right? So not as, you know, kind of breakout of a yards per carry effort, shall we say. There were parts at earlier in the game where it looks like he was being stifled a little, but as time goes on, he continues to wear you down. You don't want to get in front of Derrick Henry 25 times. But then look, on the other side, Ryan Tannehill, 18 of 24, 239 yards, four touchdowns. And I got to tell you, without A.J. Brown, I think it's clear, you know, they like Corey Davis. And then young tight end Jonu Smith is a real part of this offense as well. Yeah, Ryan Tannehill throwing four touchdowns in this game. Um, I actually found it to be a, a bit funny. I want to talk about Derrick Henry, though. Talk to me. Would you t ever say that a running back in 2020 that goes for 84 yards rushing would have a bad game? <laughs> um, I hear you, and normally I would say no. Uh, right. But, I, you know, this – would you classify this as a bad game? It was I'm a not terrible so sure. game. He missed okay. his rushing prop by 30 yards. Okay. 30. Well, there you go. Now, you might say, well, that's ridiculous that a guy had an over-under of 114 and a half. But the expectations for Derrick Henry were as high as I've ever seen for a running back entering a game. Dane, he was minus 250 anytime touchdown scorer. And once again, no touchdowns. Now, I'm not telling you that this means Derrick Henry is bad. All no. I'm saying is this is one of the most surprising performances where a guy's overall numbers, I still believe him, have sat atop the rushing yards board in the league. He was supposed to do so much more than this. And... It does beg the question a bit for me as we now think to the Jags and we think to this Titans team, was it maybe Jacksonville just selling out because they yes. heard the noise to stop yes. Derrick Henry? But the that thing is, is Dane, that's so wrong. And Why? that's how Ryan Tannehill gives you an efficient four touchdowns and scores three right. points. We talked, Dane, we talked about yes. this. We've talked about this. You will then lose. You will lose. Because if you sell out to stop Derrick Henry, the Titans score 30-plus. This is what I've been saying, right? No, no, pick no, the poison. That. I've been saying but, this. But, and the counter I've offered you is there's no choice to be made. 
This is there's an obvious answer, and it's let Derrick Henry do his thing. Because when you mm. don't, 30 points. This is what happens when you don't do that. I mean, I, I have been telling you for a while, right, that that I think it is always very important, Kev, and I've said this on balance. We'll get into other places in the league where we've talked about this as well, right? But I've said it is very important as a part of this to understand and acknowledge the importance of how the defense will attempt to play against you. Right. And you're talking about this now. I do believe it was a point of emphasis, shall we say, for the Jacksonville Jaguars to stop Derrick Henry. Right. Force mm -hmm. Ryan Tannehill. But we've had this exact conversation. Right. Yes. You have said time and time again, when a defense chooses that. Ryan Tannehill morphs into a top 10 quarterback. He didn't even, even have A.J. AJ Brown. Brown. Even yes. without A.J. Brown. And honestly, Kev, here's the thing. I, and we can go back and forth with this. We got plenty of games to discuss, but I believe this is a testimonial proof point evidence of the point I've been trying to make about the Tennessee Titans. Because if you do this, right, they have option B. We talk about offenses that have elements to them, right, that have things that they can do if, like Bill Belichick tries to do, they make you play with your left hand tied behind your back. OK, now they, the Jaguars try to do that. It's hard over time. Derrick Henry's still going to get his 25 carries. Right. But there you see what it opens up in the rest of the game. And I think the other idea, the other option is to do what exactly, Kev? Play your two high safeties kind of back, not let that happen and give Derrick Henry seven man boxes. We know what happens in that universe, too. Yeah, it's just, it can end in field goals, though, when you get into the red. It's hard. Uh, look, again, all I'm saying is we've, I've never disagreed that teams are doing what you're saying. But I will okay. always disagree as if they should be sat there thinking it through. We have enough of a sample size of this team to see what happens. Derrick Henry was rushing for 200 yards in the playoffs, and they were scoring 13 yeah. points. They will lose. They will lose if. So if, if you are a defensive coordinator, if you're a defensive coordinator, yes. What are you the doing? To your what are you doing like all week? Hey, what are you doing all I'm week? I'm saying, I am saying, if you let Ryan Tannehill get comfortable in play action, we are going to lose this game. And okay. guess what they did? Okay. They lost this game. If I would have told you the Jags were going to put up thirty, Dane, you'd be like, yeah. "Ooh, I that's hear spicy. You, man. That's spicy." You're absolutely right. I'm with you. All I'm saying, and this is music to my ears, Kev, all I'm saying is that what I've been saying about the kind of pick your poison and how this team can adjust is valid, and we're seeing a proof yes. point here. You I mean, are this saying, is why I like the Titans in the AFC South, because they have this ability to be like, they have oh, ability, you want us right. to play left-handed? Right. Well, you had no idea they were a lefty the whole time. Turns out I hear you, Kev. Harden. Yeah, and 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 sometimes throughout the season, Kev, we're going to have certain theses or thesi come to pass, right? Because we talk about this yeah. every single day, and then we're going to see it, and we're going to remember how we've talked about it for months, right? And yeah. I believe, and we've said this, things like the running back by committee versus the timeshare, things like the ability of an offensive line to truly eviscerate a team's chances, is Seattle evolving to let Russ cook? And I truly believe some of these dynamic offenses, right? Whether they're in Tennessee, whether they're Kansas City, Baltimore, New Orleans, plenty that we will discuss. 
I fundamentally believe they are good because they can adjust and respond to the way defenses are playing them and have a successful right hand. I think we have seen that in this game, and there are some others that we need to talk about as well when we come back. Go ahead, brother man. And I'll just say this on the other side. I asked you this question last week. I'll ask it again. Is Gardner Minshew too good of a quarterback for the Jaguars to be the worst team in the league? Probably. 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 You know, I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say where he ranks and put him above certain people and go name by name. But I'll tell Mm -hmm. you what, he ain't the worst out there. I'll tell you what, and he ain't going to be all about trying to have the team draft his replacement with the number one overall pick. Minshew Mania is real. We'll talk about it when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com. Hey, welcome back here on a Monday when we are looking at week two. So much to discuss. In the break, we're talking about, like, What are the Jaguars' long-term plans now? Is Gardner Minshew forcing decisions that Jaguars brass, the Khan family, didn't want to have to make? But let's stay in this division, right? Because, listen, Tennessee is 2-0. We are impressed somewhat by Jacksonville, right? Houston, we'll see what happens with Deshaun and them. They've got a murderer's row to start the schedule. Watch Houston kind of get better in October all of a sudden when they're not playing the Ravens and the Chiefs every week. And then there's the Indiana. Indianapolis Colts. I got to tell you, Kev, they were my pick to win the division. They mm-hmm. eked out. You know, they they lose in week one to those Jaguars, but they look different against Minnesota. Minnesota surprised me in this one by how bad they played, how bad Kirk Cousins played. But uh, remember, Kev, when we were doing those rookie of the year markets and I was like, Jonathan Taylor at 12 to one could be a value. And now with the Marlon Mack injury, we were wondering what this division of labor would be like. Naheem Mm -hmm. Hines was not really there to be found. This was the Jonathan Taylor show and he looked good. Yeah. I think this is the type of game that the Colts wanted. They had Jonathan Taylor, just, just Jonathan Taylor carried the ball 26 times compared to Phillip Rivers, 25 attempts. He looked fantastic. 101 yards, scored a touchdown, still involved a little bit in the pass game here. Couldn't, you know, give the Colts their credit. They bounced back in a big way. The Minnesota Vikings. Woo! Oh my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Oh my gosh. 11 of 26, yeah. 113 yards and three picks. The and thing, the safety. This, this is the thing. And the safety. This is the thing, man, with Kirk Cousins, though, is like he has this type of game. I've never seen a quarterback like this, and none of us are surprised. I mean, we didn't see it coming. We thought he'd be able to do better against a defense that led Gardner Minshew complete 95% of his passes, right? But he has this game, and it's anybody that backed the Vikings should go, yeah. God, dude, here we go with this guy. Yeah. And you're just, you're not even surprised. It is, and this is the thing now. I'll make this last point here quickly before we hit the break. Next week, they play a non division opponent at home, and they have almost been an ATM yeah, in usually, that spot yeah. in the Tennessee yeah. Titans, and Don't they're me. dogs. That's yeah. how bad they've been. One and a half yeah. point dogs in a spot that they've almost been free money. 
Yeah, we'll see how that one moves. You're actually right. I will say this. Paris Campbell went down for the Indianapolis Colts, and he had some value in the slot. I got to tell you, Kev, this could be a team where rookies really lead the day. Jonathan Taylor running. Michael Pittman Jr. getting involved in the passing game for these Colts. Something to watch there as well. Hour two. More games to discuss when we come back. SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.